Good morning. It's Friday, the 27th of January, 2023. It's Iconic CEO Jamie Ike, and this is today's daily download. Well, there really is only one place to start this morning. This story that's circulating online. Pfizer official physically assaults Project Veritas journalist James O'Keefe and destroys an iPad showing undercover recordings that they've taken. Now, you'll be able to see this on Twitter. You'll be able to see this on various different news websites. We'll put a link in the description for this. This was actually on the Daily Mail in the UK until it was obviously taken down. I think a phone call was made and you click on the same link now. It actually takes you to a story about former English cricketer Andrew Flintoff, which is quite bizarre. This is an absolutely terrifying story and so important. In this recording, a Pfizer director is on what he thinks is a date. And through the date, he's asked a few questions about his job. And he actually brags about the fact that Pfizer are mutating COVID. They're mutating the virus to therefore create new vaccines ahead of time so they've got more products to sell. He even states that he believes that's how it started in the first place when it came out of Wuhan. He says that things like this don't just happen. When then he is confronted, he starts screaming, he starts shouting, I was lying, I was lying to show off, I was lying to impress my date. It's truly terrifying. If you watch it, you will clearly see this guy knows. He knows. His soul basically leaves his body. You can see how terrified he is. He runs around like a lunatic, screaming, I was lying, I'm a liar, I'm not even a scientist. It's literally extraordinary. It really is, so I urge you to watch that. I'll put the link in the bio for you. Another story, this is from Scotland. This has been making news for the last couple of days here in the UK. Jailing of trans rapist Isla Bryson is a shambles, say prison's chief, prison chief. Now, to explain to people that haven't seen this story, basically, a biological man has raped two women. In the process of leading up to his trial and therefore sentencing, he's decided to transition into being a woman. So there's a whole debate now about whether he's going to be sent to a women's only prison. Now, when I've watched coverage on this, it seems that all the broadcasters and all the politicians and all the journalists seem worried about is not offending the trans community. Forget the fact that this person has raped two women. And you're then thinking of putting him in a women's only prison. And I'll say him because it is a him. Again, at what point? At what point do we have to say enough is enough? That is it's extraordinary. This man is a rapist and you're then going to put him in what would only be considered a rapist's paradise a female prison the fact that this is even a debate and up for conversation is bizarre but the fact that the debate seems to be leaning towards him going to this female only prison is even more bizarre and with cases like this the what they're about is setting a precedent as soon as a precedent's been set that can be recounted and cited in future cases, then it's going to become more and more difficult to stop things like this from happening. Now, this morning, we're going to jump around the world a little bit here. So we're going to head down to Australia. Now, this is a story from the Sydney Morning Herald. If you haven't seen, then I'm sure, well, I'm sure you'll be, if you're listening to this, then you have all the controversy surrounding Novak Djokovic and his deportation from Australia for not being vaccinated ahead of the Australian Open previously well he's now in the semi-final he's actually playing as i speak now and 
the controversy surrounding him has, has been quite high as you know you would expect especially in a country where the covid measures were as draconian as they were like australia but this story actually has nothing to do with tennis which is what he's there for and also covid which is quite interesting now novak djokovic is of serbian descent his dad's serbian so a part of the world which once upon a time looked towards russia for its alliance rather than nato and the west now the headline in the sydney morning herald is ban novak djokovic's father from men's finals this has come as a request from the Ukrainian ambassador to Australia. Now this week, Novak Djokovic's father has been pictured with some people holding Russian flags and supposedly pro-Putin memorabilia and flags and you know signages and so on, things like that. Now, firstly, it's Novak Djokovic's dad. It's not him. What on earth that's got to do with his tennis career? What on earth that, that's got to do with him playing in the Australian Open final, which he's not even made yet. He's got to make it first. Is, is I don't see the connection there. Also, isn't everyone entitled to an opinion? This war in Ukraine is being painted as the only war in history where there is clearly one side in the right and one side in the wrong. Now, through any war, and they will accept this here in Britain now even, when you look at the Second and the First World Wars, propaganda in wartime comes from both sides. Lies and exaggerations come from both sides. Things are covered up, things are exaggerated, things are exposed, things are hidden. That's what wartime is like. Yet apparently in this case, it's completely true. Everything you hear from the Ukrainian side, everything you hear from the Russian side is completely false and untrue. I'm going to call that out and say that's probably not the truth of the matter. Now, I've said this in my show previously, I'm not a Putin lover, I'm not a sympathiser, I think any form of conflict is wrong. But the idea that this is simply him going into Ukraine and Ukraine is sat there as the innocent victim is something that is clearly complete, you know, it's a complete fantasy. But the fact that the international community have acted so strongly and the rhetoric has been so strong in support and in... Um, condemnation of Russia but support unwavering support of Ukraine no matter what comes out these ambassadors and these politicians seem emboldened to think that they can dictate to the rest of the world how to run their own countries imagine if the Russian ambassador had turned around and said I don't think you should let this Ukrainian player play in the A-League the football league down in Australia there'd be uproar well what gives you the right to say that well, I asked the same question back. What right does the Ukrainian ambassador to Australia have to tell anyone who should be allowed to watch the Australian Open tennis or not? We've seen it previously. I covered this yesterday with the tanks where Zelensky, President Zelensky of Ukraine, was calling on urgent delivery of tanks, really, you know, suggesting that the West needs to hurry up in their support. This guy's got an arrogant nature and a very, very arrogant demeanour, which has been given to him by the fact that the West has given him such unwavering support and asked zero questions. But then again, it's all a circus and it's all a show and I'm sure he's just playing his part. Now the final story, we're going to head over to Florida. Now this is a story which I think is very interesting and this is why I finished on it because I think everyone will have an opinion on it and I'd like to leave this with you to, to think about through the day. So Florida Governor Ron DeSantis proposes making child rapists eligible for execution and allowing the death penalty without unanimous jury. 
Now, in America, you have life imprisonment and you have the death penalty for crimes like murder and so on. But in order to get to the death penalty, the jury has to be unanimous. So if, uh, if there's 12 jurors, all 12 have to agree that the person is guilty and vote for the death penalty for that to be administered. If it's 10 votes to two, for example, then the person will more than likely get life imprisonment. Now, I think that's probably a good system in the sense of you, you, if you're going to give someone the death penalty, you need to make absolutely sure you are making the right decision. Now, I don't particularly believe in the death penalty. I've grown up in a country here in the UK where capital punishment has been outlawed for a very, very long time. So it's something I'm not very, you know, used to or hear or, you know, I've heard growing up. But I'm very much sceptical and, and on the fence with this. I believe that child rapists and child abusers and sex offenders, but particularly sex offenders and paedophiles that target children, are the worst of the worst of humanity. I don't think there's a crime worse than that. Many people will disagree, but the person who pressed the red button on the atomic bomb in Nagasaki and Hiroshima in Japan, I don't think is anywhere near as bad as somebody that abuses a child. I think the fact that there's discussions, just to go off on a tangent, the fact that there's discussions about calling them minor attracted people rather than paedophiles is truly something which I hope is the line that enough people go, this has gone far too far and is the line of resistance. I almost hope they push that boundary so much that people are forced to wake up and smell the coffee because that is one thing that transcends class and transcends race and it transcends political ideology. It transcends the lot. Because everyone from every walk of life has kids. And I think I would speak for 99.999% of other parents when they say that, if you found out someone was doing this to your child, you'd be the first person to put them in the ground. So this story is quite an interesting one and I'm sure everyone listening to this will have their own take and their own opinion on it. As I said at the top of the story, it's a very difficult thing, the death penalty, because it's, there's no turning back, literally. There's no, shit, we got that wrong. We're gonna overturn the decision, the guy's dead. And we've seen a number of cases, particularly it seems in America, where people have you know, stood for retrial and actually overturned the verdict. People have spent 25, 30 years in prison, continued to appeal and eventually have overturned the verdict. So I think it's a difficult one. I believe in the principle, I do. I think if there's irrefutable evidence, whether that be video evidence, whether that be a threshold that you have passed where there is literally no doubt, um, I don't think that the term beyond reasonable doubt is enough I think there has to be no doubt I would probably support the idea that Ron DeSantis is putting forward now what I'm going to be doing from now on every day is I'm going to be leaving you with something hopefully to give you a little bit of inspiration to get you through the rest of the day and to just give you something to think about so today's quote of the day is from nutritionist Diane McLaren and it goes like this nature has given us all the pieces required to achieve exceptional wellness and health but it has left it up to us to put those pieces together. Very interesting there and very true, very applicable. Everything that we need in order to have a prosperous, healthy, happy life is out there. It's in, fact, it's in fractions at the moment. It's in different parts of the world. It's in different parts of our lives and we just need to bring it together. And if we do that, then we're going to have a much happier life and a much happier existence. Well, happy Friday, everybody. I hope you have a lovely weekend and um, get some well-earned rest. And I will speak to you again on Monday morning. Take care. Goodbye.